Good morning and welcome. You've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Miss Sarah, how are you this morning? I'm good. How are you? Good. It's a little warm, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. I hope your AC and all that jazz is working good. It is. Don't jinx it. No. That's a good point. <laughs> we got a nice new uh, redone studio here, so... Definitely knock on some wood on that one because nobody needs AC problems when it's like 90 out. Yeah, no kidding. It is brutal. And it is a holiday weekend this weekend. Yes, happy early uh, Independence yeah, Day. That's right, happy Independence Day. Absolutely. So we're going to talk a little bit about some heat-related stuff, some towing and travel stuff. You were kind of notating before we kicked off the show that this is a pretty good travel weekend. I think so. You know, there's a lot of people who are making their way mm -hmm. to the lake, or maybe they're going to a park. Maybe they're doing some camping. Whatever the case is, there's going to be a lot of vehicles on the roadway this weekend with things that they don't normally have, which is items that they tow. That is a good point. I know I talk about tires a lot, but when we talk about like boat trailers and camping trailers, the date on the sidewall of the tire is very, very important because you don't think about it. You're like, oh, I got that boat or that camper, you know, so many years ago. And really on like trailers that sit around a lot, the tires may look great, but they dry rot. And then you get the blowouts and you get to deal with all that. Um, Sarah, have you ever had a flat tire out there or a true blowout? I thankfully haven't. Well, that's good. Uh, I'm going to compound on that and say that I have experienced that and then experienced it a few miles down the road and a few miles down the oh, road no. from an old set of tires. So that's probably why I'm such a, uh, I don't know, a, you know, critic of old tires. So definitely nobody wants that. Nobody's got time for it. So when in doubt, I mean, I realize tires are expensive. They're everything in the world's going up, but you know, if you can save yourself from a breakdown, blowout, all the collateral damage, especially on campers, because it damages a lot. Normally, there's a slide out on a camper right above the wheel well, and I have seen it uh, damage a tremendous amount of the infrastructure for that slide out. So all very, very important. So nobody wants time for that. So typically, and you can Google this if you want an image, but on the sidewall of the tire, there'll be a raised oval and it'll have four numbers in there. The first two numbers are the week of the year that they were made. So it could say 35. And then the last two numbers are the year. So it could say 35, 22. And that would be the 35th week of 2022. So that's how I, I look at that. Sometimes it's on the outside or the inside. You got to hunt for it a little bit, but well worth looking at. So does that help any, Sarah? Do you ever just take a moment in your life and go check the date on your tires? Oh, all the time. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> well, I, bet. I think that it's great, especially to talk about preventative maintenance and also things to check before you hit the road so you don't have those breakdowns with a camper mm -hmm. or a boat, whatever you're hauling. Yes. Because as I mentioned before we started the show, you can't necessarily get your vehicle towed if you're towing something like a boat or a camper. Yeah. So we want to help prevent that as much as Absolutely. possible. Yeah, and, and, and hopefully make sure that you have a better holiday weekend or, or weekend in general, you know. Yeah, that would be a really terrible yeah. start to the, you, the weekend. You want to test a relationship, whether it's with a significant other <laughs> or your kids, be broke down on the side of the road and see how folks handle themselves. Typically, uh, and I don't know if you've ever spent any time at a boat launch, mm. but launching a boat as a couple, breakdowns on the side of the road, that is a true relationship test. <laughs> 
of how you conduct yourself and what you do. So big, big deal. We want to definitely protect that because, you know, those are challenging enough, let alone without throwing the heat of being broke down on the side of the road in there. No kidding. So while I was looking up information for this show, I was looking up preventative maintenance Mm -hmm. for whenever you're towing, and I came across a couple of different things, and I figured I could go ahead and mention them to you, and then you could expand on them. Sure. So the first preventative maintenance whenever you are towing something is to check your driveline. Mm-hmm. Do you do that on a regular basis, Sarah? Uh, you know what? You I I don't. Do I? <laughs> yeah, I'm putting you. I'm putting you on the spot there. Do I? Because you're my mechanic. <laughs> no, no. We we check it typically for normal service. So when you come in, that's something we're going to look at. Signs that you may have a problem though would be a vibration. So if you notice a vibration at speed or something uncommon, maybe it's a little bit more intense on acceleration or decel. Uh, you know, letting off the gas as you coast up or going downhill. If you pick up more vibration, that's kind of a key indicator that something's going on with your drive line or your final drive assembly. So if you're not having any of those issues and you're getting at least checked on a regular basis, you're probably in good shape. But that's a great tip for okay, sure. Okay, good. So I'm in good shape yeah. if I want to go yes. tow something yep. with the uh, cruise. Yep, you should be just <laughs> fine. Uh, the next thing to check is brakes. Mm-hmm. And that is super important whenever you're adding those extra tons. Mm -hmm. It's a big deal, especially when you're getting your brake service done. You know, not everything is created equal as far as brake packages, and your vehicle is rated to tow a certain amount. Now, if you're on the upper end of whatever that amount is, so let's just pick a number and say your half-ton pickup should tow 6,500 pounds. That's kind of a, I would say, a good running average. Um, when you have your brakes done, whether you're doing them yourself or whether you're getting somebody, uh, to have them, you know, install your brakes, you need to have that discussion. That's something I trigger off of as a tech quite often. If you bring your truck in and you have a complaint of pulsation or, you know, just they're worn smooth out and I can see they've been overheated. There are some upgrades that I will recommend from a tech side of it to say, hey, what do you do with this? Are you towing a camper that maybe is 7,500 pounds or a boat very often or regularly or you are got a landscaping business on the side? We can have some discussions and you need to upgrade your brake package. So if you're, if you're going through brakes very regularly, you're getting bad pulsations, you're doing a lot of towing, you need to be pre, uh, preemptive on that to make sure that you're upgrading those, even if your brakes aren't wore out. The other side of it is, and something we do as a company, and I'm going to nerd out just a little bit on you, Sarah, is we convert all of our brake fluid when we do a brake service over to a dot four brake fluid. The industry standard is a dot three. Dot four is a superior boiling point. And if you've ever experienced or been towing a lot and had what's called brake fade, which is basically where it boils the brake fluid and then those little um, pockets or openings in the hydraulic system create a smushy or mushy pedal. And that will get your vehicle to where it's essentially a runaway or it doesn't stop well, your stopping distance increase. So as a standard, as a company, when we do brake service, we convert it over to that as well to kind of raise that uh, efficiency and you get a more solid, firm, confident brake application from the driver's seat. So nerded just a little bit on you, Sarah, but I think that's important to know. That's okay because I have a feeling you'll probably nerd out on this one too. Uh, yeah. And I don't exactly <laughs> know what 
preventative maintenance you would do with this. Okay. So you will have to enlighten me. Sure. But your cooling system. Yes. Very, very much so. So I stopped. Uh, you were gracious enough. Ryan was gracious enough to come out to the Safe and Sound event that we did at yes. Cox Hospital. Uh, would have been a week ago today now. It was extremely hot. It was a warm, warm day. It was. And so on the way out of there, um, you know, we all stayed hydrated throughout the event, but I stopped at Sonic on the way out. And I have never enjoyed a, I think I got a, uh, a lemonade or a limeade from there. It was awesome. But the reason I bring that up is while I'm sitting in the little, you know, stalls, I hear everybody's cooling fans running like crazy. And you typically have two speeds. You'll have low speed and high speed on your cooling fans. And because there was no airflow under those stalls and everybody's sitting there with the AC on, I can hear them on high speed, like just going to town. And you need to be very careful of the airflow coming across the condenser and the radiator if you're towing, especially. But in this instance, going through the bank, going through a drive through sitting especially up against the building, which is kind of how all Sonics are built, and there's no flow. So you're sitting there, heat index was probably at least over 100. I don't want to exaggerate. Um, and then you're, you've got the AC on high trying to stay cool. That cooling system, if there is a weak link in there anywhere, you will find it under those conditions. So I regularly... You know, open the hood. Most cooling bottles, when they're cold, will have a min and max mark. Uh, they're transparent, semi-translucent, that you can see the level. You need to make sure and keep tabs on that. I try and do it at least every week or two and make sure that we're in good shape. And then I listen for those fans to cycle, and it's kind of a little bit of a roar, if you will. So early signs will be if you're having to add coolant very often, you know, you see it down a little bit. You want to do that when it's cold, when the engine is cold, not when it's hot because it will be under pressure and it will flash steam boil and then it burns you. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, Sarah. I've I've done that a couple of times early in my career. But basically the way you raise boiling point, and I am nerding, nerding out, you're exactly right. The way you raise the boiling point is you put it under pressure. So typical system, somewhere around 15 PSI of pressure. When you release that pressure and it goes to atmospheric, it lowers the boiling point rapidly, and that's where you get the big steam. I'm sure you've seen that happen when older cars overheated. You know, big, big cloud of steam, and that's very dangerous. So, A, you want to check it and make sure it's cold. B, you want to make sure that it stays in an optimum level, and if you're having to add coolant to it, it is going somewhere. And that is something you definitely don't want to find the weak link with the heat index while you're traveling or towing. So Sarah and I got a bunch more to go over right after this. All right, welcome back. We're talking about the holiday weekend, a little bit of travel, a little bit of heat, kind of some, uh, I guess, uh, warnings, if you will, or what to do about it if you have a problem. I always carry a little bit of extra fluids with me. That's the other thing. So uh, a lot of times I am concerned about having to be towed, and sometimes that happens. I have had to call a tow truck. I'm trying to remember. It's evidently been a long time. But, oh, no, I do remember. I was on uh, Interstate 49. I had a, ca a catastrophic transfer case failure, 
at speed, about 70, 75. And uh, I had to call many tow trucks that day because it damaged some other vehicles. They got some flat tires. Oh, yes. I remember you telling radiators. me about this. So that's been uh, probably about five years ago now. That was the last time I uh, had the pleasantries. But Hugh, I even remember the name of my towing guy. He was awesome. He got me to one of the shops. We do some consulting work in Northwest Arkansas. They got me fixed up and got me back on the road. So most of the time when I have an issue out on the road, and it does happen, I'm not invincible. I, you know, It's not like, oh, he's mechanic. He never has any breakdowns. Most of the time I can at least, if nothing else, my main priority is getting to a safe place. So, for instance, years and years ago I had an old wreck of a truck. I know that'll be hard to imagine, but it was it was it was rough. And I was towing a U-Haul trailer to Kansas City, and I may have been pushing that old truck a little too hard, and it pushed the front seal of the transmission out. You didn't realize there was going to be story time today. I always do this, don't I? It's I love always, a good story. It's always story time. So it was later in the day. It wasn't uh, it was it wasn't quite twilight. It was probably maybe two hours to dark. I'm running 70, 75, pulling this old trailer, and apparently uh, this old truck didn't really have any way to monitor transmission temperature or anything like that. It got a little hot, and instead of the vent pushing the transmission fluid out, for whatever reason, maybe the vent was plugged, I don't recall. I was very young at this point in my life. It uh, pushed the front seal of the transmission out, and transmission fluid just all over the exhaust, smoked, etc., and very quickly, it was out of fluid, which, you know, when you run a transmission out of fluid, it's not good on it, but it no longer pulls the vehicle. So I was able to get over to the side of the road because of the condition of the vehicle and what it was. I had seven extra quarts of transmission fluid. Yes, that's excessive. I don't recommend you have that much. But th- what happened is I was able to pour all that fluid in there and at least get to the next off-ramp which was a much safer place to be pulled over on the side of the road than, you know, uh, dual lane, 70 mile an hour. Nobody's expecting a stopped vehicle, even on the shoulder. So that's my main goal. If nothing else, when I'm setting up a vehicle for a trip or, or, you know, we're talking and having theoretical discussion today, it's how, if I do have a problem, can I get off the side of the road? Now, I will expand even a little bit more a different time, much nicer, uh, newer, more uh, uh, well-put-together truck. I had, and I've had this happen on Fords from different times, where there's no sign that the alternator or the charging system's having an issue. You know, most vehicles, you'll run on battery power for a while. But for some reason, like I said, a couple of different times in my life and for customers, the alternator goes bad. Whatever shorts out inside there, it just drains the uh, charge that's in the battery. You typically would have a little bit of a buffer. The the little battery warning light would come on in the, in the instrument cluster, and you could get you to a safe area. Now, what's happened uh, to me personally and to some of our customers at different times is it zaps the charge in the battery and you're stuck wherever it's at. The last time it happened, I was actually filling my vehicle at a gas pump, pulling a trailer, and I I, I left it running. I realized you shouldn't do that, but I did. Um, and it, I heard the uh, RPM of the engine change, and I thought, man, am I getting some bad gas or what? And so I get in, and the instrument cluster, none of the gauges are working. So I cycle the key, I shut it off, 
I go to restart it and it's completely dead. And I had just started it within the last probably 15, 20 minutes with no issues. So what I happened there, because I was blocking two pumps, pulling a, a trailer with a car on it, and I couldn't get out of the way. I'm in uniform, so everybody's going to judge me and be like, oh, you know, he can't fix nothing. He's broke down. Well, I carry a uh, auxiliary jump box or power pack with me in most of my vehicles. I have multiple of them. Uh, they used to be really expensive to where you really could only afford one, but the c- prices come down drastically. Now I do buy a higher amperage output and that's typically what I keep. I mainly do that because I'm using them more than most people are going to. But for most folks, they're anywhere from 60 to probably 200 bucks is a good investment. Uh, the technology for the battery is called an anti-gravity battery. It's very small. If you own a motorcycle, they're small enough to... Uh, carry with you on a motorcycle should you have problems out on the road. But what I was able to do was get my vehicle fired back up, and we had one of our locations, um, our Republic shop, was within probably about 10 miles. And so I was able to, A, get out of the way of the gas station, B, fire the vehicle up and drive it to the shop and get a new alternator installed on the truck pretty relatively quickly. Now, had I not been prepared or in a situation I would have had a tow bill. I would have been blocking two pumps at the gas station for however long the tow truck came. Being as I was towing, I would have had to have a tow truck come pick up my truck and another tow truck come and tow the trailer that I was pulling at that time. So it would have been double the expense, uh, but thankfully you had a little bit of a preparation there that you didn't have to you know, expend that. I bet that would have been well over two, maybe two hundred bucks, uh, two fifty probably. So I more than paid for that that one event or that one use of that jump box to get me a out of the way to a safe area and b that I did not have a call, I didn't have to call a towing company. Now I love our towing companies. We've had them here on the show. Uh, not all towing companies are created equal, so. Know who is coming. You don't necessarily want just the cheapest price. I have fixed a lot of vehicles towed by untrained or unskilled folks that they've hooked it around the exhaust and, you know, pulled on it with the winch. They've caused body damage, suspension damage, frame damage. So you need a skilled person that's going to operate that system. Um, You know, there's been some uh, towing reality TV shows over the years. You know, they're not all created equal. It's not all off of price. If you're towing my twenty, thirty, even my five hundred dollar truck, I want you to do a good job. However, in this instance, what we're talking about today is a if you do break down, maybe you can help yourself, because I'm a big do it yourself or help yourself kind of person. And B, have some preparations set up that, you know, hey, everybody should have some way to deal with a flat tire. And I'm expanding on that a little bit. You should have a way to deal with, you know, coolant or, you know, some extra fluids in there. You should have a way battery and charging systems cause a lot of failures and and reasons people have to call tow trucks. But typically there's some kind of a sign before it happens. Now, the instance when I blocked the uh, gas station, there really wasn't. Uh, it, It started fine previously. And then right there, boom, it just said, hey, I'm done here. Now, if... A sign that I will pay close attention to is any kind of leakage under the vehicle. You need to pay attention to that. If it starts and sounds different on the the initial startup, 
you know, you, you have the biggest risk to have a failure in the startup process. Once the vehicle's running, there are things that can cease. Uh, crank sensor, for instance, if you have an issue with that. But that's pretty rare. Once the vehicle is up and running, typically it will stay running. So the biggest risk to be stuck somewhere typically is during the startup process. And I want to have as many tools at my disposal as possible if I should experience that. Once the vehicle's running, I'm not going to say the risk goes away because I have, you know, like when my transfer case self-destructed on the interstate, obviously that wasn't a startup process, but that's normally when somebody, you know, runs into the gas station, gets whatever, comes back out, vehicle doesn't start. You know, they go to, you know, the grocery store, come back out, doesn't start. Those are normally the situations you're going to have to call somebody. Uh, I think I shared this here a while back. We had a transmission failure when we were in St. Louis. Um, I was able to drive the vehicle in reverse to get us to a safe area. I didn't have any forward or drive gears. And this was on a very late model, pretty low miles uh, GM product that transmission just said, hey, I've had enough and I'm not going forward anymore. But I was able to safely navigate in reverse. Am I recommending you do this? Not necessarily. Um, if you're not equipped and, and not good at uh, dealing with a vehicle running in reverse, but it was worth it to me to get out of harm's way. I did not want to be sitting in the middle of an intersection where potentially I could create more of an accident. So you need to get out of harm's way. If the vehicle is stuck in the middle of an area, so say you know it is in the middle of the road and you can't, I do not recommend you sit in it. Because potentially somebody that's not paying attention can create more accidents. So in a safe manner, you need to get out and away from that. So if, God forbid, something does happen, you're not involved in an additional accident. But we're down at the bottom of the hour. We'll be right back in a minute. All right. Welcome back. You've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah, I want to take a little minute to talk about your experience. We did the safe and sound vent cox hospital which was super cool by the way oh yeah um uh i guess we could call him uh, mr o the orchestrator of it he did a great job he got to hang out with us quite a bit um cox put on a great event that was super cool we got to meet a lot of kids we got to meet a lot of uh parents of the children who are listeners or you know maybe didn't know anything about it we talked about this particular topic with a few of the folks of, hey, what to have in your vehicle. And you did a great job, by the way, building yourself a good vehicle preparedness kit. Thank you. You have, and I assume that you still have it, but you've been able to step up because you carried a good, clean, new fuel can in your car. Yes. And help somebody out. How did that make you feel? It made me feel really good. I felt very prepared. You know, I've started collecting things in my vehicle ever since we've started doing the show together. Mm -hmm. And I've always known, you know, keep this and that in your vehicle. But the more that we talk about it, the more I realize, you know, hey, I live out in the country. And now since I have the kiddo, Mm -hmm. I definitely carry a little bit more to make sure that I'm not only prepared, but if I do get stranded with him. Yeah. That I'll be prepared to be stranded with him as well. So I do carry a clean uh, fuel can. Excellent. I also carry a knife. 
Um, let me see. I carry. And, and both of those have come in handy. Yes. Like, it's not just stuff you got in there and like you got all this stuff in there. Yeah. It's no, like, I've used them. Yeah. And that, that makes such a difference when you're in a bind and you see either the stress is on you or the, in your case, the stress was on somebody else. And you're like, hey, I got you. Yes. That's awesome. Well yeah. done. Um, I've also got a couple of different blankets in there, which has also come in handy. And let me think, just off the top of my head, I have um, one of Ryan's old military rain jackets as well. So it's very heavy duty. It's great. So if I do ever get stranded um, on a dark and stormy night, I won't be soaked. And you shared that rain uh, slicker or whatever. I don't know what their term is for it. During this uh, safe and sound event, and I thought, man, that's a great idea. Yeah. Now, that's not something that I carry, and they're fairly reasonable. It may not be the military grade, but you can order them online and, and have that. Um, I have been, you know, out in the rain, whether I've stopped and helped somebody or, you know, been in need myself. Um, it's always nice to have that extra little thing that just makes life so much easier. And having a rain slicker in there would definitely be a, a good, good call. Yeah, God forbid it, you get broke down on a very cold night, yes. too, when it's raining. Yeah, you don't want to be stuck just freezing cold and mm-hmm. wet and just waiting for a tow truck or somebody oh, to come yeah. and save you. That would just be miserable. That is a bummer, bummer deal. At one point in my life, I did roadside diesel service and repair. And, you know, you really have to set yourself up differently. The time that I was, you know, employed with that company was during the ice storm, which would have been like 06, 07. It was right at the tail end of 06, bled into 07. Um, And so that gave me a great perspective on being prepared because you can't just, you know, run to the store when somebody's broke down on the side of the road. You need to have some infrastructure put in or built when you're doing roadside service. And that's essentially what we're talking about today is that you have yourself set up and, and you know, ready to go. My mom tells a story, I think, and this is, I was literally, I was small enough that I could be rocked in a large steering wheel. I believe we had a Jeep Wagoneer when I was very, very young. I think I've seen some photos of it. Um, I'm, I'm very much a Wagoneer fan. They're pretty doggone cool. Um, but she had broke down. I think it took a little while for my dad to get there and figure out what was going on with it. But as an infant, I was able to be set in the kind of the basket, you know, steering wheels back then were huge because power steering wasn't very good and you needed all that leverage. And so she was able to keep me occupied for whatever time it was. Um, rocking me in the wheel. And she's told the story a million times, which is, I guess, why I'm sharing it with you all. But yeah, kind of get creative. You know, you can't always count on that you're going to be able to sit there and run the air conditioner. So, you know, having some ability. Uh, KSGF had a bunch of fans, like the little hand fans that we Mm -hmm. gave away at the uh, Safe and Sound event that Cox Hospital put on, which they went like wildfire and everybody was just going to town because it was so doggone hot this last weekend. So I thought yes. that was a great idea, by I the way. I know. Special thanks to Houston, our yeah. promotions manager. Rockstar. Who helped us get all of that stuff out yeah. there. It went over really, really well. Was he surprised you uh, had given away most of the swag? Yeah. He said, oh, do you need help carrying any of that <laughs> stuff in? I was like, no, this is it. Yeah. He's that like, was, oh. <laughs> I kind of got the same thing. We had some A1 swag there and, you know, folks liked it. And, you know, we didn't really have to carry much back. We saw enough folks that they were interested in what it is we were, you know, peddling out there. The fans was a big thing. So, 
you know, having some ventilation, having some drinks, you know, to keep you hydrated, whether it's hot or cold outside, very, very important. And just having the right kind of mindset that, hey, if I break down, what am I going to do? Who am I going to call? Do Maybe you have that phone a friend family member that's the trusted, you know, car person. Or maybe you've got a shop that deals with all your stuff and hopefully you don't break down. And that's really kind of the main focus of a lot of our processes and procedures at the company when you come in. Uh, you know, it's not that, hey, we want to tell you every little thing that's wrong with your vehicle when you get there. That it couldn't be farther from the truth. I get more jazz out of coming up and, and talking to somebody that's got a vehicle and say, hey, man, this thing's in really great shape, whether it's new or I do honestly get a little bit more jazzed up when it's an older vehicle and it's really been taken care of. So it's got a hundred, two, three, four hundred thousand miles on it. You can tell that somebody has cared for the vehicle and said, hey, this thing's in great shape. It's, a you know not got a big laundry list of stuff. And that gives me good peace of mind as we send those folks back out onto all these crazy roads we got around here, that it's going to do what they need it to do. You know, if a dog or, you know, kid or, you know, people run out in front of you or get out in front of you that, hey, the brakes are going to work when they're supposed to. If you got to get some speed getting into traffic or whatever, sometimes acceleration gets you out of a lot of problems. The vehicle will do as you need it when you need it. That's a big, big deal. I don't want somebody to say, oh, you know, I didn't know about that. That could have been avoided because 99% of them, they can be avoided. You do have that Murphy's Law that, you know, every so often something jumps up and kicks you in the rear. But for the most part, it's in pretty good shape. So would you say you're prepared, Sarah? I would say I'm like 60-70% prepared. That's awesome. Yeah. So I know that there's probably a couple of other things that I could add to Mm -hmm. my arsenal, but I feel pretty good, especially uh, with the things that I have in there now Mm -hmm. and the things that I know that I need to get. You're definitely set up very, very well. I think that that's a good realistic uh, preparedness that you should be. Um, it always needs to be evolving as well. Like every time I run into something else or sometimes the technology changes. So do you have a 12 volt compressor? Do you keep some way to inflate tires? No, I do not. That So the price of that stuff has come down tremendously to the point that I've had enough uh, tire issues and it can happen whether you got new old tires. Um, stopping in a gas station to fill it up is infuriating to oh, me. Oh, I know the little air chucks always missing. Yeah. Somebody's vandalized it or they don't work or yep. you put your money in there, which is fine. I don't mind that they charge for it. I realize there's, you know, electricity and equipment and whatnot, but it lets out more air of the, uh, the tire than it puts in. So pretty much all of us vehicle wise and the kids in one of their, you know, birthday or Christmas, they get a 12 volt air compressor from us. So they have it right up uh, ready to go that they don't have to rely on getting somewhere potentially ruining a tire um while i was on the way out this morning i noticed one of the kids tires was a little low so i carry a cordless one that uh, has its own battery set up milwaukee i'm a big milwaukee and dewalt fan and so while i was kind of getting my truck ready to go and head off uh, i went ahead and put that on his tire and aired it up for him so case he needed it and i'll figure out where the leak is i understand there is a leak but um that was just something i did this morning even before i left and headed out that uh i wanted to make sure they were all in good shape and and it was very easy and convenient that's a lot of times why we don't do things it's not convenient 
But the technology in those air compressors has come so far in the last couple of years, it's really reasonable to have one and have part of your arsenal, if you will. Um, Sarah, do you remember my tip? I've said it probably a million times. When you have a low tire, what's the indicator? When I stop and I check my oh, tires. Oh, I know the answer okay? to this. You put your palm. Yes. Yes. And what? Ha- so if it's low, what, what, what will you expect to feel? Like, what's going to be the indicator a that's low? A little bit of a pushback? A little bit, but it'll be hot. Oh, yes. Yeah. So you will feel, you know, as that resistance goes up with an underinflated tire, the byproduct of that friction or, or greater resistance is heat. And so that's one of my biggest tips, and I never, ever see that on a, you know, uh, things to do or check or, you know, uh, kind of hacks, if you will, vehicle hacks. If you have an underinflated tire and now you have to be driving and it's just not going to be hot because it's low, it's hot because of the increased rolling resistance, it will be warm to the touch. Now, if one side of the vehicle's in the sun and the other side's not, you have to factor that in. But when I stop for fuel or I stop for whatever reason and I get out of the car, especially on a trip, and it works with the trailer tires too, I run around and I put my palm on the sidewall of the tires. And if you get one that is noticeably hotter than the rest of them, that tire is underinflated. And it's one of my favorite hacks to share with you guys, and I hope that helps somebody while they travel. But Sarah and I are going to step into a break. We'll be right back in a moment. Welcome back. You've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. we got just a little bit. And Sarah, I know you got some stuff to fire off. But I wanted to share with you, I run into a listener. I do some business with Forest Hydraulics here in Springfield. This is not a paid plug. I'm a big fan of Becca that runs the office and Chuck that runs the shop. So I was picking up some stuff from him this week. He was doing some service work uh, for some dump truck projects that I've got going. I'm uh, basically embarking on build-your-own dump truck out of spare junk parts. It's going pretty good. Chuck's been a big help to me. I I greatly appreciate that. But as I'm leaving, he said, hey, I wanted to let you know that uh, I haven't put any of that stop leak in my AC system. He's a listener of the show, and apparently I I soapboxed about it all the time. (laughs) He was kind of, you know, saying, hey, you know. I definitely got the message. So hopefully that saves some people out there. If it says stop leak or sealer. And as a matter of fact, I had a phone call of a guy that had booked an appointment with us. And he called back to say, hey, I found some Freon in my cabinet that I had. And I'm canceling my appointment is what he was calling, which I appreciate. Uh Somebody calling up. And I said, hey, grab that can and tell me if it says anything about stop leak or sealer on there. And he had a late model vehicle. I don't recall what it was. But when you put that stuff in there, it ruins the AC system. Mm -hmm. Absolutely kills it. So he said, no, it looks okay. And then he got to reading in the fine print, and there was a stop leak in there. Oh, no. And I said, you need to throw that in the trash. I said, whether you come to us and keep your appointment. And it was his wife's car, too, by the way. So she'd have been real upset had he tore up her car. Uh, Whether you come to us or go to somebody else, do not put that in there and fix your car. So... Chuck from Voris Hydraulic and Becca over there, thank you for all you do, and I'm glad you are listening to us. We appreciate that very much. That's great. Yeah. Well, so we've been talking about, you know, tips to prep your vehicle for towing, and mm-hmm. I figured that we've done a pretty good job on things that you can check, yeah. but I wanted to mention a couple of other things okay. to check before you hit the road, and we've really harped on tires, yes. but that is one of them. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, also, check your lights. Make sure that your lights not only work on your vehicle 
but also they work on your trailer or your boat or whatever you are towing because not only is that very frustrating, you can get pulled over for that, Mm -hmm. of course, uh, but that can also be very dangerous if your lights are not working, whether it's your brake lights or your turn signals. Mm -hmm. That can be very dangerous if you're turning and the car behind you doesn't realize it. Well, this week, I don't know, Sarah, if you ever go out towards Monette, but they have the alternating passing lanes out there. Yes. There was a guy with this old rickety trailer. He had a lawnmower in there. And he had broke down in that alternating passing lane area. Oh, no. But he hadn't got all the way off the road, which I saw him up there. And there was a little S10 in front of me. And they didn't see it until the very last second. He had his hazards on. But to your point, the trailer lights weren't working. He had some sideboards, which obstructed the truck. And they, like, whipped it real hard to get around. Thankfully, we were in that passing lane area. There wasn't a car to his left, but they weren't paying attention. The lights, you couldn't see them, so they got your attention. So, Sarah, that is a great uh, piece of advice. I literally just saw, I mean, feet from a horrible accident because the trailer lights didn't work. So, very good point there. Yes, make sure that you check those. Also, if you have extra mirrors on your vehicle, Mm -hmm. make sure to adjust your mirrors. Nothing is more frustrating whenever you've got those extra towing mirrors Mm -hmm. that, you know, you have to manually fix. Yes. And you're going 70 down the highway and you realize, oh, crud, I forgot to check those. So, just make sure that you do that before you get in your vehicle. For sure. And then, finally, uh, if you're carrying a trailer or maybe a camper, make sure to pack your trailer properly. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is make sure that you have it all situated so-so so you don't have your items leaning back. Mm -hmm. So whenever you're hitting that wind, your trailer isn't moving back and forth. That is terrifying whenever you are going 70 down the highway and your trailer is swaying. Weight distribution. Yes. Yep. That is a very scary feeling. Oh, for sure. Now, I had a question, and I know that this is probably going to take up the rest of the show, (laughs) but that's okay. I'm curious. So how do car manufacturers measure tow capacity? How do they create the number that they give to you? That is a very good question. A little bit long-winded. I'll try and be concise. Um, There are many factors in there. Sometimes it's the weight rating of the tire hat plays. So, for instance, if you've got a truck or an SUV, a lot of times you upgrade the tire. So, Sarah, I don't know if you've ever heard it talk about two-ply tire, four-ply, six-ply. And the ply is how thick or robust those tires are. And so as you go up, especially, you know, it's not necessarily such a big thing in cars. It can be. But typically, you're not doing a lot of towing with a car. Typically, this is SUV and truck. So out where, you know, I come from, Marionville, Aurora area, everybody wants 8 and 10-ply tires, even on their half-ton truck. It's because the weight rating of that tire is much better, not to mention it's thicker, so you're going to have less problems. You're not going to have as many flats. Um, When you do load it down, the sidewall doesn't deflect and smush and bulge the tire near as much. So that's the probably the starting point of that the other is going to be how that suspension is set up you know a lot of people pull a lot of weight with uh you know quarter ton or half ton trucks and i've i've done a bunch of towing and hauling firewood and all kinds of stuff you put a little load of firewood in the back of a truck you're going to know what that thing whether you're over capacity or not so setting up the suspension and the brake components i'm going to kind of lump those into one category stopping distance so they'll figure out how big the diameter of the brake rotor how much surface of the brake pad 
hydraulic capabilities, and all that is based on a weight rating. So they want it to stop in 50 feet at, you know, 25 miles an hour or whatever it is. They built or engineered that brake system and steering suspension system to do so. As well as as you load something in the back, it takes a lot of the weight off the front stopping uh, ability of whatever the vehicle you're in. So your stopping distance increases drastically. So you have to factor all that in, and, and the manufacturer does, and they figure out a number. And like I picked earlier, 6,500 pounds is a pretty normal towing capacity of a lot of half-ton or lighter-duty vehicles. Just because the engine has enough power to pull it does not mean you should because the suspension, the tires, the brakes, etc. is not set up for it. So they really factor that in and they build the the suspension, the performance. You know, uh, you know I pick on Dodge guys from time to time. The Cummins power plant that they put in their three-quarter ton and one-ton trucks, it'll literally pull, I mean, about anything. It is amazing the torque output doesn't mean the rest of the truck should. Just because it pulls it doesn't mean it can stop it, doesn't mean it can control it in a sway. So when you start pushing the envelope on that, you have to start upgrading things. Brakes and tires is the first one. I run a sway and leveling control hitch made by Kurt. Now, Kurt doesn't sponsor the show, whatever brand you got out there, but it allows me to transfer up to 1,500 pounds of trailer weight or tongue weight back onto the suspension of the truck to make it much, much safer. So the bigger, and Stacy is probably sick of me talking about tow capacity, but when we were looking for campers, that was my question. I don't care what, she can pick out the camper. That's her thing, whatever bells and whistles she wants. I'm concerned about safety when I'm towing it. And so every time she said, oh, look at this camper, that, or that. I'm, what's what's the weight? What's the capacity? What's this or that? She's like, I don't even care. I'm like, well, I do because I want us to be safe and capable while we're towing. I don't want to be on one of those YouTube videos of the towing fails out there that, you know, hey, I was doing something I shouldn't with a truck that wasn't capable of what I'm doing. So I may or may not have answered your question in a straight manner, Sarah, but I think so. It's engineered for that, and that is a real number. Just because the motor can pull it doesn't mean the truck should, I think is my best way to put that. Um, they make a really cool hitch out there, and tongue weight is a very important um, number that you're looking at. A buddy of mine has one. I don't have one. I don't know what the name is, but there's a scale built into his hitch where the receiver, the ball is. And as you load, he's got a little skid steer, which is awesome. He can stage that skid steer to where the right amount of tongue weight, and there's a scale in there, and it tells him exactly oh, what it is. So you don't have to guess at it. You don't have to eyeball it. And old grandpa used to do it this way or that. He literally knows, which I thought was brilliant. Uh, it's probably two or 300 bucks for that hitch. Um, that that is on my list of things that I want would be that because I think it's awesome. Well, Stacy, if you're listening, there That's you go, right. Christmas yep. present, Christmas present, right there. <laughs> well, believe it or not, we're at a show already. Time flies. I know. Wow, it went really, really quick. So, if you are out there in Radio Land and you have a question or a comment for me or Dustin, you can shoot us a call or a text four one seven four four seven five seven four three, or you can reach out to us on our social media at one zero four one. KSGF. Dustin, I hope you have a good rest of your weekend. Yes, be safe, safe out there. Bye.